I've got something a little special for you today. I hope you like it. It's a one-question writer's chat. I don't know how long this will be. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know if this will be over in five minutes. I don't know. But it's an important question, and it's definitely one worth talking about. So, let's try something different today. Here we go. All right. Just remember what I've taught you. Ladies and gentlemen, guys, gals, non-binary pals, friends, writers, makers, doers, planners, pantsers, enthusiasts, rock legends, wrestling gods, power bomb lovers, soup drinkers, broth makers, tea totalers, lotion buyers, soap lovers, game players, game watchers, stream watchers, stream swimmers, uphill climbers, Salmon in a world of grizzlies, bell ringers, hotel clerks, hotel maids, sex workers, dancers, gigolos, high-class hoes, mutual aid seekers, paramedics, quasi-medics, explorers, and most importantly, the comrades. Welcome to a very, very special writer's chat. One question. One concept, one topic. Big deal, big question for sure. But what? Why? Why not? Why not give this a try? For those who have no idea what this is, for those who are checking this out for the first time, hi, I'm John. Normally, a writer's chat has thirteen questions with graphics and presentation, and it's loaded up on YouTube, and it's a whole thing. But today. I just want to talk to you today. It's you, me and the microphone like back in the day, because this is something worth talking about. And the nice thing about just talking into a microphone is that if I have to sneeze, cough or do something else, I can pause it and you'll never know the magic of audio editing. So that's nice, but I'm going to try and do this in one unbroken, unedited stream of thought. So, Here's the question. John, what the hell can I do to write better? Do you have any idea how many times I hear this question? Do you have any idea how many times I hear like versions of this question? It's it's not just one question. And it's not just one answer. And it's not just something easy. Although I think too often we boil it down to something easy. I think too often... We, we make it that way because the enormity of the answer, both in the giving it and the hearing it, can be not only discouraging, but a real mind fuck. Like it covers a lot of ground and a lot of ideas and a lot of stuff. And I don't think it's fair or right that we just talk about it in one way. I don't think it's fair or right that we only, when we talk about this, we only talk about the technique or we only talk about the planning or we only talk about the repetition or something. Because while those parts are part of it, for sure, they are by no means the sum total and they are by no means the most important. There isn't going to be a most important part here. This isn't a pyramid. This isn't like, here's the top after you build a foundation. It's a circle with 
lots of overlapping pieces of the pie. And I know that's a bad analogy and it's sort of hard to visualize, but it's okay that we can't visualize it because this is not a visualizable, visualable. We can't picture this kind of a thing. It's a number of different things and they all sort of spiral off and deal with each other and, and overlap in parts, but not overlap in others. And it's not something you can just make a graphic of or a punchy little slogan. And then all of a sudden, like have your answer Ta-da! It's something that requires a lot of thought, a lot of organization, a lot of consideration and a lot of deconstruction, both of the ideas but also of what you're writing. So what I'm asking you, what I'm hoping you'll do when you're listening to this is really think about your own work, what it is you're trying to do or say, and what you've written, not how you feel about it, not what you're worried about, not what you're going to do with it, you know, after this and after that and before this and before that, just how you think about it. We're going to start there because the first thing to do out of all the things we can do, the first thing to do before we look at words on a page, before we think about a genre, before we bring in social media, before we do any damn thing is look at how we think about writing as a whole, not the specific work writing as a whole. What do you think a writer does? They write. Sure, we can give a pat answer like that. But think past that. Go past that. Do they look a certain way? Do they identify a certain way? Do they dress a certain way? When you think of a writer, and even if you're thinking right now of a famous writer, when you think of them, do you picture them a certain way? When you think of yourself as a writer, again, we're not on the genre yet. We're not talking about the book yet. We're just talking about you as a writer. Do you look different? Do you look idealized? You look younger? You look older? You got less gray in your hair? You got a spring in your step? Joy sparkling your eyes? The, the pressures of the world relieved? When you think about yourself as a writer, what do you think of? Do you think of the the pleasure it would be sitting in the ideal room in the ideal space with the right cozy sweater and the right amount of steam coming off a mug of who the fuck knows what. And you, you sit there and, and you're doing the, the writing and it's flying across the page and it's perfect. It's technically flawless. It's highly engaging, whatever the hell that means. And, and it's just this perfect amalgam of all these idealized things. Is that what you think a writer does? Is that what you think a writer is like? Is that what you think the bare minimum benchmark for being a writer is? How you define your relationship to the creative effort that is writing is always going to be our first step because we need to figure out whether or not you've got a, a, a wrong or a busted or an impossible or an unrealistic or a just plain fucked up relationship to the idea of what a writer does. Because if you have some kind of idea that a writer behaves a certain way or looks a certain way or acts a certain way, and you're spending a lot of time and energy trying to do that, trying to act like that, trying to be that person, trying to accomplish a task, trying to verb a verb that way. You're trying to put in all this effort to be something or someone else. Your writing will always fail because you have walked away from the authenticity that you can bring to your writing because you're busy chasing down this idealized, made-up illusion of what a writer is, no matter what we're talking about. Whether you're writing your favoriteest book ever or whether you're writing on this book that you're desperate to try and get out the door, if you're busy thinking that the best path to writing is not going to be 1,000 million percent authentic and clear to you, you're never going to get anywhere. You have to put yourself 
first, and you have to center yourself. At the core of your relationship to writing, there's you. And writing isn't this thing you achieve. It's not this idea to strive for. It's just an act. And you are the vessel for doing that act. You write. It is your fingers on the keys. It is your brain firing a series of electrical uh, signals through a soup of chemicals to produce consciousness and thought and imagination and inspire emotion in others. And I know that sounds very lofty, like I've taken my head and wedged it way up my ass, and I don't mean it to. But what I'm trying to say is that you're a writer by virtue of the fact that A, you want to be a writer, B, you likely engage or have engaged or think about engaging with some amount of writing, and C, you are doing it or intend to do it again in the future. You're a writer. You write. Beyond that, beyond all that stuff, beyond all those twists and turns and jargon and social media and this, that, and the other, you're a vessel that connects a sense of creativity and imagination through your work, through your lenses, through your experience, through your interpretations, and then out into the world. That relationship must be clear. And I don't mean transparent. I mean it has to be something you agree to. Please notice, please notice that I didn't say that writers write a certain amount or that they engage with education in a certain way or that they do this task or do that task or that they have the right chair or the right software or this. None of that fucking matters. The only time that stuff matters is when, A, someone's trying to sell you a tool or a chair or software or something, or B, when you have stepped away from being that creative person and you start thinking again about what other people must be doing. And every time we step away from your being the center of this effort, every step away is a step where our writing suffers. It just suffers. And then the further we step away, the worse our writing gets because we must be authentic. We must try and do what we do to the best of our ability. And we'll talk about ability in a minute, but we must do the best we can all the time. That doesn't mean push ourselves to exhaustion, but it means understanding that who we are and how we view the world and how we have imagined the world in our brain that we will later put on the page, I mean, matters. And if you can't get square with that, if you can't lock into that thought because you're busy thinking a writer operates in a certain way or does a certain thing, you will always be disappointed. But like I talked about, let's let's mention ability. We got to bring ability up here because this is where things can start to get a little difficult for some people to hear. And I think the reason why this becomes difficult for so many people to hear is because everyone is so quick, thanks to social media, thanks to general social climate, thanks to anxiety, thanks to loads of different worries and lack of security and safety and lack of support. People are so quick to immediately assume the worst of any position and assume the worst about themselves and assume that everything is crumbling and the sky is falling and that everything's going to be more bad than it was good and the good is over and the bad is here and the worst is coming and it's Bad, 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 bad all the time. Let me tell you this plainly. Some people who are writing, now maybe that means you right now, but maybe it doesn't, but there are some people out there writing who will not finish their work. Their writing will never be good enough by other people's standards to be published traditionally. There will be people who never even start because they perceive a deficit or a gap in their ability and they make no consistent, conscious, concerted effort to improve. They try, they dabble, it becomes too hard, they run away. Or they write to the best of their ability 
but they're unable and unwilling to admit to themselves that the scale at which they need to change is so profound that they can't get over the fact that how they were and what they were doing wasn't as good as it could be. And what they do, what happens when, when you point this out to somebody is they feel like shit. They feel absolutely awful. They feel terrible about this. And they assume that all they're writing is garbage. They're going to write garbage. And there's no point in doing it. And that's the tipping point where you lose people. That's the tipping point where everybody just stops listening to the feedback and just focuses on the part where shit sucks. And let me be very clear. Shit sucks. You wrote poorly. You might have written to the best of your ability, but it's poor. It's a, it's a mess. It's bad. It needs to be worked on. It needs to be edited. It needs more than just, hey, chop this word out. Hey, take away this exclamation point. Hey, don't use a semicolon like that. You need to fundamentally practice and understand what it is you're doing, which means going back to the basics. Yes, you can write. You have some of the basics down already, but you're not applying them well enough. Now, I say that and some people are like, yeah, but I'm trying my best. I'm not saying you're not trying your best. I'm not denying your effort. I'm denying your concerted focus on improvement. If you keep doing the same thing and you don't push yourself and you don't try to shake off the old stuff and you don't look at this as a constant evolving experiment, you will fail. And your ability will never reach the peak where it could. Now, granted, everybody's got a different peak. Some people who want to be writers, they will peak and it will peak at a point where no matter what they do, it will be for most people's accounting unpublishable. Traditional publishing won't touch them. The writing structure is too poor. Self-publishing they can do, but the reviews will be poor because they have not invested in more effort. What happens here is that people look at their ability and they look at their ability relative to just the thing they're writing. Here's the draft. Here's this chapter. Here's this paragraph. Here's this page, whatever. And they try to, they, they treat it like a template. They treat it like it's a fixed form and all they can do is make improvements within it and that's going to improve their writing overall. And in the short term, yes, learning that in this book, you don't always need to use the word just or learning in this book. You need to, you know, say fewer words when you write dialogue for your characters will make an improvement in the short term in this book, but it will not make a long-term improvement in your writing unless you see past this book, unless you see past this idea and go back to the fundamental structure of how you write. If you truly, absolutely want to improve your ability, you have to be far less rigid about the manuscript or the draft or anything else like that when it comes to your work. Yeah, it, you're working really hard. You've written so much. I know. But if it could be better and you want it to be better, wouldn't you be willing to do anything and everything for it to be better? Or are you holding on too rigidly to the idea that, hey, I worked really hard and all of a sudden if I have to start over, I'm somehow discounting the idea that I worked hard. Let's be extra clear here for a minute. Just because you worked very hard, it suddenly doesn't evaporate. You, you worked hard. Great. You're going to work hard again. Fine. What did you think this career, this path, this drive, this motivation, this creative effort is, there are going to be times where you're going to work real hard and realize that you're going to have to work real hard again. It's never just going to be one book, one and done. It's never just going to be one draft of one book, one and done. Your ability is made in the aggregate. Your ability must be built on a foundation, not only of good technique, practiced but good technique supported and the vast majority of writers the vast majority are profoundly under supported and that's because in part they're too busy trying to do that inauthentic i have to act or behave or operate or try to write 
like a writer. I'm making air quotes. And none of that is true. All of that is illusion. All of that is smoke. Because we make a stack of assumptions as to how things are supposed to be. And we assume the assumptions are universal. If you're a good writer, writing must come easily to you is an assumption. If you're a good writer, it must be easier than the what I'm experiencing currently, so therefore I must be a bad writer is an assumption. Take a look at your assumptions. When you find one, write it down. Read it out loud. Really confront it. Now, you might not always start your assumptions with, I assume. You might start your assumptions with something like, I think, or I feel, or it must. But an assumption is declarative. You're making a statement. And generally, that statement is going to do two things. It's going to suggest some idealized, distant goal or operation or principle or practice. And it's going to relegate you to a subordinate position in it which sucks. It sucks. It sucks on toast. It's rotten all the way around, but it's fixable. We don't have to be married to our assumptions. We don't have to carve them into our DNA. We don't have to continue to propagate them, but we, in order to do that, we have to examine them and we have to excise them. And a lot of people, once they tear out their assumptions and really make an effort to not make those assumptions again, they need something to fill that space. So they make all new assumptions, which is part of the problem. It's not that there are good assumptions and bad assumptions, so we just need to find the good and shed the bad. We need to make an effort constantly, consistently, regularly to shed as many as we can for as long as we can. And when they creep back in, we need to boot them back out. What those assumptions are doing, what those assumptions are giving you is a false sense of success, a false sense of failure, a false sense of goal, a false sense of hope, and a false sense of loss. The assumptions are telling you to behave and operate and act and do and work a certain way. And the longer you try them, the more unrealistic those things become. Because if you say something like a good writer sells a thousand copies and then you go look at sales data and you realize that the good writers you like didn't sell a thousand, they sold 10,000 or 5,000 or 2,000 or just fucking 50. And you have to detach the assumption of good from sales or even good from sellable because, again, you've got an assumption as to what is or isn't sellable. Maybe that's predicated on somebody else or some other kind of social media or some outside input for things. But by and large, it comes down to this idea that there are assumptions and they got to go. Your lack of ability, your perception of your lack of ability, the reason why you're not finishing shit is because you're not a good writer writing perfectly, that's an assumption. It's got to go. Find your assumptions. Write them down. Verbalize them. And when they come up again, do something about it. My best recommendation that I've ever been told and that I've passed on to other people is when you find your assumption, get up and move. Move your body. Because in doing that, you are making a clear divide that the train of thought you're currently on has to stop because now you're going to focus on something else. The number of like times <laughs> I wore a groove in my carpet. Um, I have since removed the carpet and polished the wood floor. So the new groove is, is less visible, I guess. But the number of times I would feel like I'm a, I'm a bad writer or a bad coach or a failed this or a failed that, every time I did it, I'd get up and I'd walk from the office all the way to my kitchen and back. And it, it makes this little curve. It's a very gentle kind of thing. It crosses like three or four rooms. And I would do it so often, multiple times a day, multiple times an hour every day that I wore the carpet out. And it was amusing to me when I would try to explain to people, like, why is there this group? Why is there this trench 
in your carpet. Oh, that's that's from me pacing about how shitty I am as a person. Ha ha ho ho, isn't that funny? And I realized it wasn't funny. I realized it's kind of sad. And there's no point in me like knocking myself down about it. Because it's an assumption that a bad writer operates one way and a good writer operates another because it's an assumption that bad and good are these agreed upon terms that everybody universally knows and nobody really questions. It's just like saying what a color is or that there's no variation in things. Your assumptions are killing you and they're killing your work. So find them and boot them out. The other thing, the other, the other companion to assumption is expectation, which itself is another kind of assumption. And for a lot of writers, their expectations are keeping them from going forward. What kind of expectations? Expectations as to how things are supposed to be. Expectations about quality or speed or time, word count, who, who the fuck knows what, but it's an expectation that being at a certain level, operating in a certain way is, is what you're supposed to do, and that if they're not capable of doing it for any number of reasons, if they're not capable of writing an hour every day because they heard on social fucking media that they're supposed to write an hour every day, if they can't meet this expectation that they've brought on from somewhere else or they've engineered themselves because they were just... I don't know, feeling down and read something and made a decision based on weak information. These expectations crush forward progress. If I have an expectation as to how the writing is supposed to be beyond just written, I expect my writing to only require three drafts. I expect my writing to be perfect when it leaves my fingertips. I expect my scene to be clear to them because it's clear to me. I expect my query letter not to be rejected. I expect X number of reviews, Y number of sales, etc., etc. That, okay, so what? So you expect those things. What happens when you don't get them? What happens when that isn't how this turns out? You're going to get mad at yourself because what? You're not going to change the expectation. You're going to carve the expectation in stone, set the bar really high and then wonder why you can't clear it. Why is the expectation there for a lot of writers, for too many writers, that expectation comes from this idea of motivation. I set an expectation and I'm trying to accomplish it. I'm trying to achieve it. I think writing should be done this way. I think good writing, whatever that might be, good writing happens and it looks like this. So I'm trying to get there. Okay. There's that assumption about good, but why does it have to only look like this one definition you set? Would it really be okay to interrogate our expectation? We already looked at and examined our assumption, but what if we really looked at our expectation? Here's the trap. Here's the tricky thing. People do that all the time, and they get caught up in the why. They get caught up in the, how did this thing become my expectation? Where did I learn this from? How do I keep falling into the trap of setting an expectation? And they do all the adjacent stuff. They, they walk around the perimeter of it. They tiptoe. They, you know, kind of skulk around just a little bit. And what we're left with is this idea that the how we got stuck in the trap is more important than the fact that we're in the trap and that we did X, Y, and Z and talked to this person and checked that thing out and read this and saw this and interpreted this, that, and the other. And, and if we don't do those things anymore, the expectation will go away which isn't right. The expectation won't go away. That's, that's not how this works. The expectation will go away when you let it go. It doesn't matter where you read it from. doesn't matter how deep a dive you do into the nature of, oh my God, I learned this when I was five. Those things are important. And yes, that work is work that needs doing. But by and large, if you don't stop dealing with it right now and stop perpetuating it, you can't repair it. Your expectations as to how writing must be, can be, should be, needs to be, has to be, how it needs to look, when it needs to be done, what it needs to be, what a scene should have, what a chapter should have, how books get made, how this works, how that works, how much you should pay, how much you should not pay, what about this and what about that, all of those things 
form walls in a labyrinth to keep you from reaching the center. And you don't need to do any of them. You don't. Your path to the center, your path to your prize, your path to your goal needs not be blockaded by walls of your own erection in order to keep you operating and acting in a way that you think other people do. Again, every time you do that, we step away from that authentic core of who and what you are and what your stuff looks like. Expectation is killing you. All you need expect, if you absolutely positively have to expect something, and there's no choice, we must have an expectation, expect this, plain and simple. As a writer, you will write. Sometimes that writing is going to be okay. Sometimes that writing is going to need some amount of work. That's it. Just expect that. If you want to go one step further, expect that should you continue to do that work, should you continue to grow and push and challenge and change and write and rewrite and revise and all that stuff, understand that over time, with enough support, with enough education, with enough challenge, with enough consideration, with enough variation and evolution and contrast and loads of different other materials, your writing will improve. But if you continue just to write without doing anything different, you won't get where you want to be. You have to be willing to do different. But understand that doing different doesn't mean what you did was bad or wrong. It isn't. You aren't automatically like the worst ever because you wrote a draft and you wrote, let's say, 60, 80,000 words and then realize that it's all going in the wrong direction and you're not happy with it. Like that doesn't mean you're failing. That doesn't mean you're super duper wrong and bad and you should give up. It just means that this version of what you've created, no matter how much time you've spent on it, isn't it. And this leads us to the next thing to examine. We've looked at assumption. We've looked at expectation. Now we look at a tougher one. We look at judgment. For a number of reasons, most of them being a lack of support or are you sensing a theme here with support? Um, a, a lack of encouragement, a lack of strong foundation, a lack of confidence, a lack of material around writers that generate confidence. A lot of people delight almost in having very negative judgment about themselves or about their work or about both. For a lot of writers, there's an inextricable pairing of their work and their identity. I'm one of those people who is how they are based on how their work is. I have a good day. I'm a good person when I get a new client, when someone pays an invoice, when someone has a good meeting, when someone makes progress, I am therefore a good person. That is dangerous because that means all those times where those things don't happen, like days where I don't have any meetings, days where I don't directly help people, days where there are no invoices issued or paid or anything like that, therefore those days I must be a wrong, bad, terrible person, right? That's, that's the thinking. That's how I exist. And I would never wish that on anyone because, A, it's untrue. I can sit here today and tell you that today's the day I have no appointments. I have, I have no clients. I am functionally, technically not helping any individuals. All I'm doing is spending the day talking into this microphone. But that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Yeah, there are days where I'm a better person because I'm doing more things with more individuals, but it's not bad or wrong for me to sit here and just do this. You're not bad and wrong just because of how you did or didn't do some amount of what you did or didn't want to do. It doesn't matter if you wrote today. It would be great. It would be wonderful, but that doesn't mean you'd be great or wonderful. It would just be a nice way to spend some time. Yes, it is important to do that writing if you say you want to accomplish the goal of what that writing is. But again, you don't have to sit here and judge yourself and assume the worst because you didn't do a thing. Now, when we partner judgment with expectation and assumption, 
we end up in a situation where we're a bad person because what we wrote isn't good enough because we think better writers should write it differently. And the next thing you know, we've paralyzed ourselves. And the next thing you know, we're not getting any writing done because we can't get past the idea for some reason. We don't know how we can't get past the idea that we'll never be good enough. Ah, shit. Here we go again. And then we're right back in that cycle of I'm not good enough, so I can't write and I can't I'm not writing, so I can't be good enough. And then I keep not writing what you write. The words on the page, the idea, that's important, and we'll get there in a second. But without addressing assumption and expectation and judgment, without really narrowing these parts down and kicking out the parts that don't seem to make any sense, because looking at them critically matters, which is why we write them down. So they're not just rattling around in our head and they're, they're disconnected from all the, well, you got to understand and, oh, remember that time? And then what about this thing? And what about that thing? We, we separate from that. We, we make it just this sentence and this idea, and we have to look at it. And then we can evaluate it on its merits by itself. This is how it is. And then we can change it if we need to. These things must change because you must change because your writing must change because if you want to get to where you're going, wherever that is, even if you don't entirely know where it is, even if you just know I want to be in the vicinity of a goal, change is implied, it's required, it's demanded. Too many writers set fixed goals that are so rigidly held onto, so dug in that they'll never get there. No matter what, because the, the specificity, the number of conditional things that have to happen, well, I'm going to write this book and it's going to take this long and it's going to you know, have this many words that's going to be about this exact thing and I'm going to send it to these people individually and they're all going to say this exact thing and then this is going to happen and then that's going to happen and then this third thing's going to happen and so on and so forth. There are whole industries around the idea that you can will or influence this entire set of conditionals into existence just by doing something. It's usually something small. Usually it's like writing it down and staring at a post-it note or repeating it to yourself while you brush your teeth or you know shaking the magic bag of rocks that they sell you for $800 or something. They do something. But all of these ideas are conditional. And because my goal has to have these conditions on it, anything less is unacceptable. Why? Just why? Why is that important? Why is that a thing? Why? why? I ask this of every client at some point. And the answers are generally rooted in nostalgia. Maybe you've had this thought. I need my book to be published this way. I want to hold my book in my hand. That's how I know it's real. You see how limiting that thought is? You see how expensive that is? How pointless? You just said, if you've ever had that thought, that your work, up until the point it is a physical thing in your hand, isn't real. Did you also mean to suggest that all the hard work you put in doesn't count because that's what you're saying by creating so rigid a goal and so specific and singular a path it sounds like you're being ambitious it sounds like you are like lining your shot up and it's going to be amazing if it works and it will be absolutely it will be but what you're also doing is giving yourself a million billion trillion different reasons to not do it because you're asking for a one in a million chance so you've got the rest of that million 999,000 chances not to which means you have 999,000 different chances to get discouraged why did you do that I'm not saying it wouldn't be great if XYZ happened specifically the way you want, but why are we dug in so rigid on it? Why? Have you thought about it? Have you considered for a minute why it's so important? Would you be willing to do different if you knew different was more successful? 
Would you be willing to do different if different had less stress? Would you be willing to do different if different was easier? Would you be willing to do different if different came from someone who wasn't you? I think one of the reasons why people set these impossible goals is because they lack the belief that they'll get there, so they might as well just shoot for the moon. And that takes us back to support. Because when we're setting up judgments and when we're crafting goals, your goal, you might feel like that goal exists in a vacuum. It's just me. I sit here and I write. And I write and I write and I write. And I sit on the couch sometimes and I sit in the bedroom sometimes and I sit at the table sometimes. But it's always me and I'm always writing. But your goal isn't meant just for you. man. Maybe it is. Maybe this is just a hobby. and Maybe I've spent 40-something minutes just kind of rambling and this won't matter to you. If so, go have a good day. But if you've ever thought about being a writer because you want to publish, because you want your book out in the world, because you want other people to read it and say good things, you've written outside of that vacuum. And your goal is making it harder for you to accomplish that goal. People get real cranky when I bring this up because they think I'm saying it's bad or wrong to have that goal. It's not bad or wrong to have that goal. It's just that you've picked a very hard goal and you are holding yourself to an unyielding, unreasonable, inflexible standard to get there. And in the course of doing that, you are dismissing all the work that is just as valid, just as helpful, just as functional, just as successful, and just as good because it doesn't come in this one particular way. I just don't know why you're doing that. A lot of goal setting is built not around the idea of succeeding at something, but finding different reasons to say, obviously I failed or obviously I couldn't do it. And then we don't try again because I mean, I I tried the first time and it totally blew up in my face. So why should I bother? I'll just fail again. And we're back to making assumptions that one failure has to be repeated by a second failure. There's no reason for that. We have no evidence to assume that. Every time is a new, fresh time. Every sentence is a new, fresh sentence. Every idea is a new, fresh idea. We can always try again. It's not wasted. It's not bad or wrong or this or that. It's just not. Every time we pull the slot machine lever, we can get a different result. You're not due for a win. There is no great system. That's not because you're a bad person who wasn't smart enough to figure it out. It's just because there is no system. Your goals can be general, and that's okay. I want to be published. Great. That opens the door for a lot of options. You would prefer it be this thing over that thing. That's fine. We can operate that way. We can go that way. However, when we start to make divisions within that goal, I need it to be this. I need it to be that. We are equally not only setting ourselves up for a specific kind of success, we're also setting ourselves up for an equal or greater amount of possibilities that it's not. Too narrow a search term does not bring us many search terms, right? When we look specifically on Google for one thing and we're hyper, hyper focused, we're only going to get a few results. Whereas if we're a bit more general, we go for a wider number of results. I'm not saying it's wrong to be specific. I'm saying it's wrong to be rigid about being specific, especially when you can't substantiate why it's important and you end up making some kind of crazy emotional appeal like, well, it just matters to me. Okay, that's not that different than your mom saying, because I said so. How did it feel when you heard that? So how do you think I feel when you tell me something like, well, that's just how I want things? Great, I want to be four inches taller and have better abs and have people of all different identities come flocking and running to me, telling me I'm lovely. How's that going for me? Don't get so rigid. Mind your goals. Likewise, when we have goals, we have to go back to expectations because sometimes we set goals rooted in expectation. Writers write this much all the time. Do they? Really? Does that matter? Does it really matter if we follow the exact daily ritual of somebody else that we will get their results? Does that make any fucking sense? Here, let's test it out. For about a hundred or so years, it was incredibly reasonable to smoke like a goddamn chimney every day. 
and to do it while we write and do it while we paint and do it while this and do it while that. If I start smoking, like excessively smoking, is my writing going to somehow get better? If I show up drunk everywhere, is my prose going to have a better, more magnetic quality? Or am I just going to be, you know, sloppy somewhere? All that time and focus and effort spent on, well, how do the other people do it? It's just time you're not looking at yourself. Now, maybe it's because you're feeling inadequate because we're either judging or making an assumption or having an expectation. But you have to look at you. And if you're unhappy with your results, if you're unhappy with your efforts, if you're unhappy with how the process is going because you're feeling frustrated, because you're aggravated, because this is scary, because this is new, because you don't know what to do, because it feels like it's taking too long, because of this, because of that, because of whatever, however your feeling is valid, absolutely valid, but it's fixable. You could change it. It might take some hard work. You might be a little bit more uncomfortable. You might be differently uncomfortable, but you could change it. If you really wanted to, if it really matters to you, it's one thing to say it matters when other people are around and they're hearing you. It's another thing to change because you want to change. Too many writers don't want to change. They want to perform the task of being a writer. They want to put on the, the cloak, the mantle of being a writer and play dress up and do what they think a writer does, but hope for the results as though they had done the actual work. How you write is going to look different than how everybody else writes. And that's what we want. We want your work to stand out on its own. It might contain words. You might have nouns and adjectives and commas and periods, just like everybody else. But your arrangement, your decisions, your actions, your tangle of these ideas is what sets your work apart. And that's ideal. But when we judge it, when we line it up, when we say it's got to look like this, and when we say it's got to do that, we only set ourselves up for disappointment. However, and this is significant, you could still be making the wrong choice on the page. And that's the last section we're going to talk about. And that's how we're going to wrap this thing up. So let's talk about our writing instincts. Writing instincts, if you've never heard the term before, refer to the decisions we make or our interests in making those decisions when it comes to our writing. How do we choose what happens next? How do we choose the words that go on the page? How do we know how things connect? And how do we know what things should happen down the road? This isn't just like a here's how you make an outline kind of discussion. It's about the story decisions. It's about seeing the picture in your head and figuring out how to connect the dots. That is not always a thing that's apparent to most people. Maybe not most people, some people. I always assumed, for a very, very long time, I always assumed that everybody had a sense of that. Everybody had some kind of bare minimum idea of how to tell a story with a beginning, middle, and an end. And I think that's for the most part true, but when we start to get deeper, when we start to really push things, and when we start to really understand the different kinds and types of stories, I'm not talking about genre, though that does play a role in it, but things like a story where the hero comes out on top after overwhelming odds or a character believing in themselves or two people falling in love or anything like that, the general story structure stuff. I always assume people just understood that. And they understood it because they watched so much goddamn television. They consumed so much streaming media. They watched the same show over and over and over. They couldn't stop talking about their favorite anime. They this, that, and the other. They were terminally online. I just assumed people knew how to put story together. But that doesn't explain a lot of my clients. That doesn't explain like some of the people I've worked with who at one point couldn't figure out how to string ideas together. They knew what the ideas were. I want this to happen. I need that to happen after it. But beyond that, they just they just couldn't get there. And it's strange how when we transmute our idea, when it's in our head, we can totally talk it through, but the minute we have to put it on the page, up bubbles these expectations, these judgments, these ideas, these assumptions, that the process for doing that has to be difficult. The process for doing that needs to look a certain way. That the process for doing that 
is less known to them than maybe they thought. Your writing instincts get honed by writing. Your writing instincts get honed by exposure to other people's writing. But you can't rely on everything outside of yourself to be the teaching device. Yeah, those are great examples. You can reference them. You can pay homage to them. You can straight up steal them and repeat them and duplicate them. Sure, fine, okay. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be somebody else's stuff until you put your fingerprints on it, until you make an effort to change it, until you make an effort to adapt it, to synthesize it, to fuse it together with your experiences, with your ideas, with your concepts, with your thinking. And I think that's the part where people go away. I think that's the part where people run away. I think that's the part that makes a lot of writers uncomfortable because they perceive story to be just this thing, just this piece of fiction. Here's made-up people doing made-up stuff for made-up reasons to get made-up results. It's just 300 pages of such and such and -and so-and-so making up a thing, and I made it up, and that's what a writer does. On the surface, they're right. Absolutely, they're right. But when we dig into the instincts, when we start questioning, and they should be questioning, you should always be questioning, why did I put this together? What am I trying to say? What am I trying to communicate? Not just how clearly can I paint the picture of this bedroom the two characters are in, because while that is important, that is superficial, because we can change any part of it at any time. All of a sudden, we can add windows where there weren't windows, or we can make the color a different thing, or we can add a lamp or whatever. That's just superficial shit. And too many people get way bogged down in that, as if that's the quality of their writing as if that's an indicator of good writing, if that's an indicator of what's going to get them published. And to be very, very super clear, no one gives a fuck if you know the kind of lamp that exists in real life in this particular hotel because in your made-up version of the hotel, you somehow have to pass some kind of entrance exam to verify that you know lamp types. And you don't. It doesn't matter how you describe a thing. It matters so that it puts a picture in the reader's head, but what matters more than the specific adjective, more than the specific phrase, more than the specific sentence is the reason why you're saying it. And the reason why this sentence in this organization of these words sits in the space it does. Why didn't this come a sentence earlier? Why isn't this a sentence later? Why is there a comma here? And this kind of thinking, this kind of following through on your thoughts so that they're more than just these cartoon representations of imagination, that's where the writers don't think. Too many writers give up and never dig in. Why is your story doing this? Why is it a romance story? What are you trying to say about romance? What are you trying to say in science fiction? Not just, oh my God, I made up space wizards. But why is telling the space wizard story important? Is it just because you really love Star Wars and you want to like make your own Star Wars? That's fine, but could we dig a little deeper? Could we go past that? Is it because Star Wars means something to you? If so, what does it mean? And how can we take that meaning and impart it in your own work? Why don't more people stop and look at this stuff? Why don't more people think about how base and fundamental and primary your instincts are rather than just have them be uh, connections and relationships between words? Why don't people stop and interrogate why they're saying what they're saying? How did you choose that word? How did you choose to do this and choose to do that? Why does it matter? You have to say something. You have to give a shit. You have to care, not just because I need to be precise and grammatically accurate. That's a juvenile, underdeveloped way of thinking about writing. This is more a matter of I'm trying to express how it feels to feel alone, and I'm doing that by creating a character who is lonely because I want to connect to the other people who also feel alone And I want them to know that they're not alone in their aloneness because I feel it too. That's where we want to go. That's what we're trying to do. And that scares people so much that they don't bother digging any deeper than just making up a superficial story. And yes, you can make a living telling superficial little stories and your writing will grow. 
You'll get better at telling scenes. You'll get better at writing chapters. You'll get better at understanding the sort of things your audience wants to imagine. You'll make up these people. You'll fall in love with them. You'll say all kinds of cutesy, obnoxious shit about how your characters were just the best. And, oh, my God, I really love them. But your writing has a ceiling when you do that. Your writing has a cap. Because that's like saying, I want to paint this sunset, and I just want to make sure I get the pink right. Yeah, you can do that. And you can get very good at painting the pink in sunset. But when you look at that sunset, how do you feel? Because you don't look at that sunset and feel pink. You look at that sunset, and it feels like something. And it is that something that you're trying to capture by painting the picture of the sunset. So... Let's just skip with this bullshit discussion about the degree of salmon in our pink color and dive deeper into getting you to a point where you can say, I see this thing, I feel this thing, I'm going to use my words, my talent, my skill, my ideas, my tries, my efforts, my everything to get you to understand how not only how I feel when I see a sunset, but how I can get you to feel something like it so you understand me better. That is writing. That is how we improve our writing. It isn't just a matter of, hey, don't use adverbs so much and try not to use exclamation points so much because while those things are important, they are you know poppy seeds on top of our bagel. We want to dive into the nature of the dough. We want to get it to rise well. We want to examine the core of things, which means examining the core of you. So we're going to look at judgments. We're going to look at expectations. We're going to look at assumptions, and we're also going to look at instinct and how we are trying to relate our world, our view, and if you don't have one, you're wrong. You have one. You just have to be willing to share it and not worry about the judgment other people will give you by them perceiving you have one. You just got to get up there and say your thing and do your thing and express your thing. And not in some defiant, fuck you, my way is better than your way thing, but more as a matter of this is how I view the world. How do you view the world? Let's connect through the medium of my work. That's what matters. That's how we build writing. That's how we get better at this. That's how this that's that's how we do this writing thing. The publishing, the money, the sales, the series, the book covers, the fame, the social media, all that shit is just extra. Most of it's a lie. Most of it is artificial. Most of it won't make you feel better at all. Ever. Ever ever but we chase it because that's easier to sit with. We can point to the metrics. We can point to the screen with the numbers going up. We can point to all the superficial stuff. We can talk about the active conversations we had, masturbating and self-navel gazing at the depths of writing and talking about what we love because that's less scary than being vulnerable enough to try and share our experience with somebody else. And I'm asking you, I'm challenging you, I'm begging you, be vulnerable. Be curious. Be inquisitive to yourself, to the world around you. Challenge yourself. Push yourself. Think. Feel more than think. And express it. That's how you build better writing. One step at a time, one word at a time, because we're trying to not only express the made-up story with the made-up people for the made-up things with the made-up stuff, but because through those made-up people and through those situations, we're trying to say something every single time. Yep, your character just ended up in a locked room because the killer's on the other side of the door and their you know, time is ticking down and maybe that's a tense moment in our made-up world. But bigger than that, more than that, beyond that, we're also trying to convey tension, convey fear, which means we need to do more than just describe the room really well. Always seek to connect with your reader. Not because you described shit real good, not because you had the correct number of commas, but because flat out you know that through making something up, you can build a bridge from feeling to feeling, from person to to person and experience to experience. That is exactly how I would answer that question. Let's go to the outro.
Well, we tried something different today. We tried one question, one thing, one idea, one concept, and we got like, what, 58-ish minutes out of it? I'm pretty happy with that. That'll be really good. Let's get back to business as usual, though. Let's get back to 13 questions and a whole pile of stuff and graphics and streaming. I'll see you back here next week for that. Don't forget that if you like this and you like more things like it, you can get John Helps You Write Better wherever podcasts are available. I also do want to point out that all my podcasts, everything you hear, whether it's streamed or not, is powered by Descript. Descript is the single greatest way to make a podcast. It's as easy literally as editing a Word doc, highlight the words, change the sound, do video, do everything. It's amazing. The link to Descript, if you're curious about it, will be in the description in the podcast feed. Feel free to go check it out. It's awesome. I'll see you next week for more. Thanks for letting me answer this question. I'll talk to you very soon. Keep writing. Keep thinking. Keep feeling. I love you. All power to all people. They're good enough. Talk soon. See ya.